rip the band-aid off, force yourself to create more and more and more content. One daily upload is not enough. Doing what you're comfortable with is not enough. Force yourself out of your comfort zone to post more and to, to develop your skills as a content creator. I'm Tom Ward and over the last couple years I've had the chance to sit down with some of the biggest celebrities and influencers in the world. What I've always found most fascinating is the stories of the businesses that they've built behind the scenes. On this show, you'll get an inside look of what it takes to build a successful business from some of the biggest celebrities, business people, and up-and-coming entrepreneurs in the world. This is The Tom Ward Show. Hey guys, welcome to The Tom Ward Show, where each week we talk with the most successful people in the world who teach us how to level up our lives. It's time to level up. Today we've got Brock Johnson. He's an Instagram expert, podcast host, a speaker, a keynote speaker. The man does so many things. Welcome. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, I'm excited to uh, talk about the ever-changing platform that is Instagram. It should be fun. Well, I mean, there's so much to kind of get into and unpack, right? We got, I mean, just Instagram alone, right? We have, I don't know if people still care about the grid, but we got posts, we got uh, reels. It's all short form video. We got stories, but of course, the thing that everyone is talking about right now is threads. So yeah, let's get started with threads. I've been playing around with it for like three, four days. I love it. Um, what do you think so far? I saw some, yeah, I think it's I really fun I, a little bit. Yeah. I've been posting a little bit here and there. I think it's really fun. I think, um, especially in like those first few hours, I don't know if you joined like day one, but day one was even more fun than now. And like each day I feel like it's getting, it's still fun, but it's getting progressively less fun. But day one was like this wild group chat and no one was talking about anything besides threads. There was no promotions. There was no conversation at all besides talking about threads on threads. So that was really fun. And I think the platform still is fun. I think it's going to give creators a, you know, a different way to share because it's text-based and not everyone wanted to hop over to Twitter or not everyone joined Twitter, but there's a lot of people who I've been speaking with who are from Instagram and Facebook. And now that Instagram and Facebook have their own version of Twitter, they're like, yeah, I'll do it. So I think it's fun. I think long-term it will eventually just kind of become another Twitter. It will become just like Twitter and it will become just like any other meta platform. Like it'll be uh, lots of bugs and glitches. There will be lots of constant changes. There will be lots of advertisements and promotions. Um, not to be too much of a Debbie Downer. I think that's eventually where it's headed. I what hope, are you doing? You're you killing know. our buzz here. We're all, we're all I know, I know, I know. Right? I like, I wish, I wish I could say, be altruistic and say, no, it's going to be great. And we're all going to use it as a, a place to just kind of, you know, let our let ourselves be free and talk about whatever we're into. But in reality, we're in the attention economy. Uh, this is a capitalistic society where the attention economy is really valuable. And if everyone's attention is on threads, well, then it makes sense that now we're on like day five of threads and there's already promotions and advertisements and people talking about their business, myself included as a marketer. I'm not going to miss this opportunity. For sure. And that was kind of the, the fun of the first couple of days too mm -hmm. was A, it was different than the Instagram experience, right? Number one, the thing that jumps out of you, no thirst traps, bam. So yeah. we're, we're text-based, right? People were kind of hesitant. Mm -hmm. do, do we post pics? Do we post videos? Or are we not supposed to? Is, so yeah. they're kind of still trying to figure that out. And then brands too, you know, there was no advertisements on there. Brands were kind of just, mm -hmm. I, could just I could just picture brands in a room somewhere on conference calls. Talking yeah. about what's our strategy? Do we just duplicate Twitter? Do we do the same thing over here? Right. So they weren't, they didn't have it all together yet. They do now, just like you said, you know, mm -hmm. you're seeing yep. the brand stuff. So that, that was kind of cool early on. And the other thing that was cool about this too is, and you know, every time there's a new platform that comes out, okay, TikTok comes out three, four years ago, right? You start from zero. 
every platform that comes along, you start from zero again. You go, fuck, how am I going to get my existing audience over to this new platform and build, right? With Threads, what's yeah. kind of cool is, hey, we already have followers, right? You watching this, yeah. you might have a big Instagram follower, but you sign up for Threads and it's like, oh, wait, I got five followers already. This is pretty cool. Yeah, I think that was one of the really, really smart things they did is it's so heavily integrated with Instagram. I've been arguing that Threads is more integrated with Instagram than even like Facebook is integrated with Instagram. Like it's so much overlap. There's so much crossover, even with, you know, the ability to just tap a button and post directly from a thread onto your Instagram feed or onto your Instagram stories. And then if you're watching it on Instagram stories, you can tap on it and it opens in threads. Like that doesn't exist with any other apps. And the built-in followers was huge because like you said, whenever a new platform comes out, that's the biggest hurdle that especially like the bigger creators face. And it's the bigger creators that are going to drive the attention, the people with millions of followers who are going to drive where the, where the rest of everyone goes. And you know, if you're someone who's got a million followers on TikTok, why would I want to join a new app where I'm going to have to start over at zero and scratch and claw my way up instead? Now, like I have, like, I think I haven't checked today, but I'm almost at a hundred thousand followers on threads already, which is nuts. Wow. And it's a lot of those people aren't, they're not even actively choosing to follow me. They're just pressing that like follow all button when they join. Um, but it's, I think it was really smart. I think they did a lot of things really well with the launch of threads. And I mean, that's why it was the first or the fastest app to 10 million and 100 million downloads of, of any social media app in history. You know, there was, I saw a couple of people posting about this and then I saw a post from you, I don't know, maybe yesterday too. And it was two differing mm -hmm. opinions, right? So I saw a couple of people post that, dude, I'm tired of thought leaders just repurposing their Twitter, right? You, we know they went back to the analytics and looked at, okay, what's the, the five most, you know, highest engaging tweets we've had in the last year and we're just going to pop them over here. Right. Mm -hmm. So a couple, and I saw that too. I was guilty of that too. I saw like a couple of thought leaders. I'm like, dude, you know, this isn't new, like put some effort into yeah. it. At least just don't, yeah. you know, but then I saw you post something different. Maybe it doesn't apply to the threads, but you were basically saying, Hey, you know, go back and look at the analytics and Hey, if something worked before, feel free to post it again, because chances are, you know, the person, if you post it now, maybe they don't remember that you posted three months ago, or maybe it's somebody new who never even saw it. So kind of what's your thoughts on what people are posting and kind of what the strategy is on threads like right now? Yeah, I think that the, the best strategy would be to just be able to constantly be pumping out new ideas, new thoughts, new threads um, that were engaging and captivating and just kind of like off the cuff moments from your, from your mind preferably related to like whatever that topic or focus is that you're, that you're posting about. Um, but a lot of people are also joining threads and they're like, I don't really have that many off, off the cuff thoughts, or I'm not confident enough, right. To start just like sharing random thoughts. I don't know if they're going to be good yet. So I think for them, there's no harm, no foul in taking some of your best tweets. If you were or are on Twitter or taking some of your best, uh, like captions from Instagram, text posts from Instagram. If you post a story with a lot of text and it does really well, like taking some of that and repurposing it either directly word for word, copy paste on the threads or kind of like, you know, massaging it a little bit so it can fit threads a little bit better. But also like, like we said at the beginning, you know, we, we all know where this is headed. We know where threads is going to be in a few months. So I think it's silly to, handcuff ourselves now when we could be sharing great content now, but instead we have this thought of, well, what if 10% of my followers have seen this before? What if someone knows that this was originally posted on Twitter? Who cares? Everyone's going to be doing this a few months from now. So you might as well be one of the 
first marketers to do what we all know is going to work and what we all have seen work on every other platform, which is if you have a great piece of content, share it over and over and over again, like squeeze the life out of that great post. Yep. And that's worked on my Instagram game is not great. And you're going to help me with that But on TikTok. I'm better. And we've done that too. my social media guy will look and be like, that was a great clip that bombed. Let's post it again. Mm -hmm. We've done that. Mm -hmm. Like sometimes posted it like three times on the th third time. It'll pop off. Yeah. But I've never, ever got a comment saying, dude, you posted that two weeks ago. Cause you're just, cause you're just kind of numb to it. You're scrolling and nobody remember, nobody remembers what they had for lunch yesterday. They're not gonna no, remember your exactly. post from three months ago. Exactly. It literally exactly what I always say. I don't remember what I had for breakfast this morning. I don't remember what I posted today. My followers definitely don't remember what I posted two months ago. So I, there's a lot of people, you know, maybe you watching who are kind of entrepreneurs slash you got to be a, you got to build a personal brand along with that. Now it's not, I mean, there's certain businesses you can own a storage facility somewhere and you don't need a strong social media profile. Yeah. Right. But if you're in that social world or in marketing, for sure you do. So how should they be using threads to build yeah. that personal brand? Mm -hmm. I think it's establishing yourself, like use this word thought leader earlier. And so part of that might be repurposing some content that you already know is great, but also part of that is sharing your actual opinions on things, um, not just chat GPTing for a, uh, you know, a huge quantity of content, but thinking about and sharing off the cuff, authentic, genuine moments. Something that I often say that does really well on Instagram is something that's always done well on Twitter, which means it will likely do well on threads too, which is sharing things that are a little bit controversial and not for the sake of being controversial, not for the sake of pissing people off and like, you know, making people mad, but just for the sake of, hey, I have this belief and sure it might not be super common in my industry. Hey, I have this idea or, or this, this standpoint or this lesson that might be new or it's gonna contradict what other people might teach, but I believe in it and I've seen the results. Well, then share that and post that, and it's going to do a few things. It's going to allow your true community members uh, to either find you or be that much more engaged with you, and it's going to allow the people who don't like you to either weed themselves out, unfollow you, and leave, or it's going to allow them to boost your engagement by commenting and replying that they disagree and they hate you and you're wrong and they're going to argue in the comments. So there's like a few different things that can happen from posting something that you believe in that is somewhat maybe controversial, but pretty much all of them result in a beneficial result for your social media. For sure. And I think, you know, now's as good a time as ever is, hey, what does Brock know about Instagram, right? Mm -hmm. Well, you know a lot about Instagram. So your, your story is, I correct me if I'm wrong, but it's like, I'm going to post a reel a day for, I think you did it for 500 and some days, right? And in that year, you grew 400,000 followers on Instagram. Is that basically what happened? That, that's, that's, that's how I became the Brock Johnson that is on podcast and that people know today. I had been an Instagram coach for probably about two or three years before that with oh. slow and steady growth. And then Reels came out in 2020, and there was this perfect storm where Instagram was pushing Reels. There was really low competition because not many people were posting them yet. There was also, we were coming out of the pandemic, so a lot of people were still inside, using their phones a lot more, using Instagram. Not everyone had migrated to TikTok yet or, or wherever else. Um, and so it was this perfect storm where I challenged myself, and that's purely how it started, not as a marketing idea, literally just I'm going to push myself outside of my comfort zone. 
and I'm going to post a reel a day for the month of April 2021. At the end of that month, I had grown by 35,000 followers in 30 days. I had crossed the 100K threshold, and I was like, okay, this is working. Let's keep going. And now here we are, you know, two years later almost, or a year and a half later, and still posting at least one reel a day. I've actually cranked that notch up. It's more like 2.5 feed posts today, so maybe two and a half feed posts per day. Um, it's been, there have been times, though, there have been stretches and periods where it's been like four posts a day on my Instagram. Wow. Um, we can talk more about that from like a strategic perspective, but yeah, the growth was insane. There was 400 or 500 days straight of over a thousand new followers per day. Now, as this kind of perfect storm has, has come to pass and people are going outside again and people are spending less time on Instagram and Instagram's got the glitches and there's a lot more competition now with so many more people posting reels, um, it's balanced out a little bit. I'm still gaining followers, but there was four or 500 days straight where it was at least a thousand net followers every single day. We'll talk about that, right? Because I'm interviewing the great Alex Hermosi Friday and I just saw mm -hmm. him, I was doing prep and I saw him post about that two a couple days ago where he said he posts 250 pieces of content a week now mm -hmm. I, I'm, I'm curious i'm like what the breakdown is how many tweets is that how many you know yeah. podcasts everything but you just mentioned too that hey there were stretches when i was posting five times a day mm -hmm. is his whole thing was it's a volume game you know, yes. you, know you just kind of keep showing up keep posting frequently mm -hmm. consistently and just it'll happen is that mm -hmm. Do you agree with that philosophy? It sounds like you, you kind of went through a stretch where you did that too. One million percent. This is a hill that I will die on because I've seen the statistics. I've seen it happen for me personally. I've seen it happen for our students. And also I've seen the data of when you track over 300,000 Instagram accounts, there is a direct correlation between post rate and growth rate. And so he posts 250 pieces of content per day. You know, you could break that down across all the platforms. I think I added it up a few weeks ago and I'm close to 200 pieces of content per day across all the different platforms. You know, when you add up a couple tweets every day, a couple Instagram reels, TikToks, you add it all up, it, it sounds like a lot. Um, and it is a lot, but that's because it is a numbers game. Ultimately, we live in this space where no matter what platform you're on, the algorithm's job is to make sure people are seeing the best content. If we were still in a chronological feed that was like time-based from 2014, then posting 20 times a day would be very overwhelming for people. And as they scroll through their feed, every other post would be yours. And that might be arguably too much. But now where we live in a world where all of these social medias have an algorithm, if your post is not good, well then it's not going to get shown to people. So you don't have to worry about bombarding them or overwhelming them. And if one of those 20 posts is good, then it's going to reach those people. And it's going to help you grow. I really like to just look at it as, as practice or at bats, right? If the average person on Instagram is posting three times a week, but I'm posting three times a day, that means I have seven times more at bats. So you might look back and see like, wow, look at all those home runs, look at all those base hits. You don't see the 700 posts that didn't do well. You're just remembered for the post that went viral, the post that blew up, the post that ended up uh, actually reaching people. So I just look at it as, as more opportunities to practice and more at bats. Um, and also that that's how you get better, right? Like. Even for the people who might hate everything I'm saying and hate everything Alex is going to say, they're, they're very much team quality over quantity. No, it needs to be great, high quality, perfectly edited content. How do you get there, right? Like, how do you get to this high quality content? Not by spending hours in the editing booth, but instead by just 
reps and reps and reps and practice, then you get better and you learn those little fine-tuned adjustments. And then now you have both. Now you have the quantity and the quality at the same time. And that's what allows people like Alex Hormozzi to, to seemingly overnight blow up. Where all of a sudden you're like, I can't get away from this guy on my feet. I'm scrolling. I just, I see him everywhere. And that's how a lot of people have said they felt about him. And that's intentional. Last year, his, that's yeah. what it was. And he yeah. even changed the style of short form content, right? Yeah, there's an how entire style times, now. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, people don't do it anymore because it was just overdone. But pretty, mm -hmm. it seemed like for a stretch, everyone was using that bright neon emoji kind of cartoon things popping up yep. at you. I mean, everybody was doing his deal. But you're saying, so that didn't happen overnight. We didn't see him posting where no one was watching, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, and it, it did seemingly happen overnight, similar to my growth. Like, it seemingly happened where suddenly there's this Instagram guy everywhere. And before that, they don't see the three years of 500-plus hours of one-on-one -on -one coaching, hour-long sessions where I'm learning so much and soaking up so much knowledge and teaching so many people. You don't see all that. You don't see... The, the fact that I've been creating content since I was 12 years old, making little YouTube videos. Like you don't see all that, but then suddenly it's like, oh, he blew up overnight. Here he is. Part of it is, hey, suddenly I started posting a lot more, but a lot of it is like a really long setup for what is an eventual blow up. Now you mentioned setup too. This is a good segue. So we're talking short form video. Now, a lot of these things you do, they're second nature, but you're a coach, so I'm sure you teach the same basics over and over again, mm -hmm. you know, what are some tips, you know, everything from the hook to text to like, what are some, some things that really apply to anyone watching this as far as short form video, what are the basics we've got to, you know, what are the rules we have to follow basically? Yeah. So basics, I think first and foremost, every single short form video that you're posting to your feed. So the one exception to this would be like Instagram stories. If you're making a short form video for your stories, but if you're posting a reel, if you're posting a TikTok, if you're posting a YouTube short, first and foremost, they need to be related to your niche, your subject, your topic, whatever it is you're talking about. And a lot of people are like, oh, my niche is fitness. Oh, my niche is business. Oh, my niche is hair care, whatever. Those aren't niches. Those are giant ass industries. You're never going to stand out if you're trying to appeal to a giant industry. Instead, you have to get super hyper-specific with what is the topic you're talking about. So not fitness, but rock climbing tips or beginner rock climbing tips. Like that's hyper specific, uh, you know, uh, marathon training, like that's way more specific. And then also the second part that I like to define niche is like the who. So like, who is that specific group? Because the way you're going to speak to a seven year old woman about beginner rock climbing tips is going to be different than a 25 year old former college athlete. So getting really clear about that niche, every single short form video should be related to your niche. After that, we can actually move into like what builds the video, like what are the actual components of the video. Always start with a hook. That's like a non-negotiable for me. Start with a hook. The pro tip, use some sort of negative word in the hook, like don't or stop or avoid. Don't overdo those. If you use those too often, then people get annoyed with you for being like that negative guy who's everything is like the Debbie Downer. It's like turning on, it's like why no one watches the news anymore because the news <laughs> is just constant bad thing after bad thing. Um, but if you can occasionally incorporate those negative hooks, those can be really, really powerful for engagement because we're always looking for what we should be avoiding rather than the tell us more rules, tell us more things we should be doing. Um, and then one big distinction that I think has changed over the past couple years um, is coaches like myself used to hammer this idea of your posts need to be valuable. 
value, value, value. And I still think there is merit in that. And I'm not saying that your post should not be valuable at all, but your focus needs to be on creating captivating content. Because at the end of the day, we're scrolling through the feed and I'm just saw 10 captivating videos in a row. And if yours is purely valuable, like you're just teaching me a lesson and you haven't thought about your delivery style and how you're going to appeal to this audience, then I'm just going to scroll right by it. And it's never going to like the, the value that you packed into it is never actually going to get um, delivered the way it was meant to. And then the final thing that I'll say is in terms of non-negotiables, a call to action. Like we can't assume our audience is going to know to engage, know how to engage or remember to engage. Bare minimum, we need to tell people what we want them to do and be explicit. Like, hey, don't forget to like this post if you found it valuable. Don't forget to share this with a friend if you think they can relate to this. Just super clear, super direct so that people will actually act. We can't just assume that they're going to remember to act on their own. You know, and that was funny. I, you, when you were saying that too, that it's not just about sharing valuable tips. I, I went on my phone and I wasn't, I wasn't checking threads. I was checking a friend of mine, a thought leader, um, shared, um, I won't mention their name, but shared some documents from LinkedIn as far as like, hey, what kind of stuff they, they is important, you know, the, do they push? what kind of content works well on the platform, what podcast, all this kind of behind the scenes stuff. But it was so good. Um, they, they were saying share opinion and advice posts. So mm -hmm. if you're just share, they were, they were saying that value that, that generic, I chat GPT, give me some success quotes. Give me yeah. three steps to who gives a fuck article, yeah. right? They don't work well, but if you share something similar to that, but give your opinion, like you said, maybe controversial opinion, and then turn that into advice for the person watching, reading, or listening. That was the elements. It varies, but that's the elements that worked on, on yeah. LinkedIn too. And it cheers. It sounds kind of like you're saying the same kind of thing in a different way. Yeah, definitely. The same applies on Instagram. We got so caught up um, in this world of, hey, value, 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 value. People don't want value. They want to be told simply what should I be aware of? What should I do? What should I not do? Or they just want to be straight up captivated. Like they want to have their emotions move. They want to laugh. They want to be inspired. They want to be told a story. Stories are something like 22 times more memorable than facts. So I'd much rather have you tell a story to teach a point than share a bunch of facts that ChatGPT looked up for you. And then there are other just like elementary things that you can do for, for um, like holding your audience's attention and making that captivating content like good audio. You and I both have professional microphones right now. That's not by accident. I now use this, this same microphone to record my reels. That's not by Smart. accident. Audio is half a video and people forget about audio. So they record in this echoey hallway or they record outside by the, you know, by the highway and it's like car zooming by. That's not very engaging. Lighting is also huge. You don't need to spend $300 on fancy lighting equipment. Just stand near a window, go outside, you know, like have some, some thought behind how is your video being lit? And I think something that everyone can do to improve the captivating qualities or, or just the overall engagement of their posts is stop consuming content and start actually studying it. Start looking at content, scrolling through TikTok or watching reels or watching YouTube, whatever, from like an analytical perspective of what is it in this video that got me to stop scrolling? What is it that got me to engage? Why did I stop watching this video halfway through? And what special things are they doing in their editing, their lighting, their captions, their, their tone of voice, all of those different things, and use that to 
inform, inspire, or educate your own content? You know, you are so right. And I'll give you, go a step further. It's not necessarily only quantity, but it's, it's posting a lot, but learning from that. It's not as simple yeah. as just posting bullshit five times a day yeah. for a year. Right. Yeah. And, and this is something that, that happened to me. I couldn't on, on TikTok. I had, um, post from this one interview just blow up like million view for this one 800,000 for this one and I dug into the demo and it was my perfect target demo so then what do I do I spent hours and hours stalking everyone who followed me from that video and I went through and I looked at who were they following from not just I mean, what bands are they following? I want to know what kind of music they listen to. I want to see mm -hmm. what kind of reality so show stars they're following, right? Yeah. I want to see what thought leaders they're following. And I mean, I literally spent hours and hours and made a spreadsheet of the ones I kept seeing over and over again. I go, yeah. I'm booking those people as guests. Like, boom. I love that. There you go. These yeah. are, I'm going to hit these 20 people because I want that audience all the time. Mm -hmm. I love that. No, that's so smart. I love that putting in that, that extra effort to quite literally study and track and write it all down. But people, people think that, that, like you said, they can just post a bunch. They heard me say what I said earlier and they're like, okay, uh, quantity over quality. I'm just going to post a bunch of shit. That, obviously that's not going to work. Like people, that's the pushback I always get when I say quantity over quality is it's not about abandoned quality that should still be a part of it, but where should your focus be? Right. And so a lot of people aren't going to put in the work that you just described. And then they're wondering why they're not getting the results that you also can describe. You know, and before we even get into, so that was great short form tips, but if we take a step back. I look at your Instagram page, right? Of course, I'm looking at a judgy. I'm like, okay, this is the Instagram guy. Let's see what he's all about on this yeah. page, right? And I look and the first thing that jumped out at me was, okay, yellow is his brand color, right? And it's aesthetically, it looks on point. It, the color, it, you know, it's the same color scheme throughout all the posts. Um, the text, everything kind of gels. Now, for the person watching this who doesn't have, you know, a, a graphic designer to work with or a brand yep. expert to go, okay, yeah. this is your color palette and stuff. One, how important is it to have that thought ahead of the, the game, right? Instead mm -hmm. of just randomly kind of posting going a month later, that looks like shit. Like, yeah. should you have that kind of at least be thinking about that before you really start taking this seriously? Yeah, so you should spend a minimum $20,000 on a brand color strategist. No, no. <laughs> and, and that's the thing is the yellow came by accident. I just one day randomly like made my background color of my profile picture yellow because I thought it would stand out more, which it does. But there was no um, marketing strategist. There was no logo designer who came up with that. I was just like, hey, yellow is going to pop off the page, so I'm going to go with the yellow background. And then over time, I started using more yellow in my posts and my carousels. I do have a designer now, so I tell him, hey, use more yellow when you're designing these things. But in the initial blow-up stage, like in the first zero to 200K, there was no recognizable color palette. And still to this day, I oftentimes will tell my designer, hey, for the next five, 10 posts, no yellow, change it up. Because it needs to have that variety to catch people's attention. Because if they're scrolling through their feed and they're used to seeing me in yellow and suddenly they see me on a green background, 
it's going to pop off the page even more because it's a pattern disrupt. Um, but for growing on Instagram, the only time that I would say aesthetics truly matter is if you're in an aesthetic based industry. So if you're someone who does like makeup or hair care or interior design, then of course, when I go to your page, I expect it to look presentable. But if you're a fitness coach or an entrepreneur, Brock, are you still there? Shit, you froze up. Oh, hey, Brock. Am I still here? Can yeah, you hear me? Um, yeah, your video froze up. Your, your video's frozen. I can hear you, though. Gotcha. Should I keep wait, going wait. or do you want to wait a sec? Yeah, hold on. You're coming back. There we go. Okay. Yeah, just pick yeah. up where you, you cut off when you were saying um, you already said if you're like a makeup person, aesthetic mm -hmm. matters. Yeah. But if you're an entrepreneur, whatever. So start with gotcha. the people it yeah. doesn't matter for. Yeah. So, so if you're someone who's not in an aesthetic based industry, if you are a fitness coach or you're an entrepreneur or you have a startup or you're an AI, your aesthetics matter a lot less. You can add those things in as you go and you should be somewhat thoughtful of how do, how do these all look when they're on my, on my grid, on my profile. And I like to tell people when you're thinking about like the cover, you don't need to spend $10,000 on every cover like Mr. Beast does on YouTube, YouTube, but thinking, do people have a good idea of what this video or this post is about before they click on it? It shouldn't be like, Hey, what is going on here? There's just a bunch of random photos. Instead, it should have like almost a little title on it in most cases, or at least an image that clearly depicts what the post is about. So that people can have an idea before they click, but having this uniform pre-planned aesthetically pleasing grid is totally not necessary. In many yeah. cases, it can actually be a negative. What I've heard from a lot of people is that when they see a profile that has like that checkerboard where like every other post is alternating between white and pink or, you know, every single photo looks the same, it can be a turnoff because they want what's real. They want what's authentic. We all went through the last three years and we're like, who can I trust? Who can I look to? Who's going to give me everything with no bullshit? And when I see this totally hyper curated, perfected feed, I'm like, that's not real. That's not real life. And so I'm not going to follow that unless you know it's an interior designer who that is the specific look that I'm I'm searching for. You know, that's good and that that it's that's a good thing, right? Because you can look at your page and it's intimidating. You go like, "Oh my god, I've got to have I don't know what color is going to look good, right? I don't know how to, you know, have an aesthetically pleasing grid. You know, I'm just a business guy who owns a store. What yeah. do I know? So it's good to yeah. know you don't have to have it all figured out ahead of time. Yeah, absolutely not. Uh, yeah. For me, I, like I said, it came a year into this whole growth thing, four years after the, the actual start of my Instagram coaching. Now, we talked threads, we talked reels. Well, first, before we move on, is there anything else we need to know about reels to grow? First of all, I guess well, I have one more question. Is reels the way to grow on Instagram still? What we've seen is that reels are still reaching on average slightly more people than non-reels, but there's a lot of really interesting changes going on where um, Adam Mosry, Instagram CEO said, and this was in the summer of last year, he said, we went too far with reels. We started pushing it too much. We hear you, Instagram users. We're going to kind of backtrack a little bit and balance out the reach between reels and non-reels. So let's also think about the context of what everyone is posting. Everyone was posting reels over the last year or so, and a lot less people are posting photos and carousels. But if they're getting an equal reach, that means you have the equal amount of demand, 
but a lot less supply when it comes to photos and carousels. And so we've seen better engagement um, and oftentimes more reach, uh, just normal reach to your existing followers with photos and carousels. So what I, what I tell people is mix in all three, photos, reels, and carousels, mix in all three and see what your audience enjoys the most. And then no matter what they enjoy the most, still post the other two or, or at least the other one, post all three options. Um, because it just, again, it's that variety. It's that diversity of content, which keeps people engaged and active. Um, so yeah, I, I think that reels where a year ago, I might've told you, Hey, mainly focus on reels, pretty much ignore the rest. Now I'm going to tell you all three reels, photos, and carousels. All three should be at least somewhat involved in your posting strategy. I'm going to have to learn from that because that's all I've been doing basically on yeah. Instagram for the past year is posting reels. So, mm -hmm. okay, now bring me back to reality. All right. I got to post pictures. I got to post carousel. I, I don't know if I've ever even posted a carousel, right? So talk carousels first, I guess, because I'm sure the person, you yeah. watching this, I doubt you're posting carousels either. So tell us why we need to be posting carousels. Yeah, so carousels are, are awesome. They are a just different way to share content. They're a different way to consume content. They're really powerful for um, having basically a more in-depth conversation or sharing some sort of story or sharing something that has a little bit more substance to it. Um, but they're also great for sharing like compilations and memes and just like uh, multiple posts at once. And one of the really cool things algorithmically about carousels is, let's say I follow you, Tom, you, you, post a, you post a carousel. If I'm scrolling through my feed and I see the first image of the carousel, but I don't engage, I just kind of skip over and keep scrolling, whatever, the hook didn't catch my attention, I keep scrolling. A few hours later, Instagram will show me the carousel again, but it won't show me the first slide. It will show me either the second slide or it will show me the slide that it knows people are spending the most time on. So let's say you had like a really badass quote on slide seven or a funny picture on slide six, and that's the slide that the average user is stopping their scroll on and they're, they're paying attention to. Well, Instagram wants me to stay on Instagram. And I've already shown Instagram, hey, I follow Tom, I engage with this content. So Instagram's like, hey, maybe you didn't like slide number one, but you'll really like slide two or three or four. So essentially what it's doing is it's doubling your opportunity of getting that engagement and actually being seen by people. Um, so that in and of itself is a real power move uh, for or power reason for for sharing carousels. Wow, I, I didn't know that. So I just learned something mm -hmm. too. I never knew it would kind of, they'd run it back at you like that. Yeah, yeah, it's awesome. So, um, so we got stories and posts. Let's let's stay on the grid, right? So yeah. Let's talk posts, right? So we went we went over reels, we went over uh, um, carousels, mm -hmm. pictures. We all take mm -hmm. pictures. We never know. Should this be a story? Should this go on the? And I think we're at least I am. I'm, mm -hmm. You're kind of paralyzed, but it's like, dude, do I? I yeah. Do people? What are people going to think if I post this? Am I being too vain by posting this? Maybe it's just a story. I don't want to put it in people's yeah. face. Like, so you end up never posting pictures, which I almost never do, right? And I'm yeah. sure most people don't post a lot of pictures, or maybe, or maybe I'm crazy. Uh, talk about posting pictures. You know, yeah. what should you post? When should it be a story? When should it be a post? Yeah, I, I have. I love this question, and I have the same thought when I have pictures of myself or pictures of what I'm doing. Hey, should I post these photos? 
the question I like to go back to is, am I using this as a self-serving post? Look at me, look what I'm doing. Here's what I did. Here's the cool person I interviewed. Here's the cool jet I flew on. Here's the cool vacation I went on. Or am I using it to serve the audience? Um, but let's even like go back a step. Your feed posts, I know I talked about this for reels being essential, but all of your feed posts should be niche related. Let's translate that for me and my account, what that looks like. I am an Instagram growth coach who teaches organic strategies for making more money on Instagram. That's what I teach. So 99% of my feed posts, which again are those three of reels, carousels, and photos, 99% of them are about that topic. They're directly about helping people grow on Instagram, helping them increase their engagement, things like that. Every once in a while, I'll sprinkle in a photo of my wife and I, like if it's our anniversary, whatever, something like that. Very rarely. Anything else, my dogs, snowboarding, because the biggest then pushback that I hear after saying that is, but Brock, I'm multifaceted. I have all these different interests and passions and hobbies. Great. So do I. So does everyone else. But if you want to grow, if you want to build a personal brand and a business on social media, I'll extend it to all socials rather than just Instagram, you need to be hyper-focused on your niche. You need to be hyper-focused on that one topic. And then you can use things like Instagram stories to allow for a more personal connection. So my Instagram stories, that's where I tell people, you know, let your freak flag fly, post whatever you want, share everything, like anything you're into on your Instagram stories. And let's think about the psychology of why is that? Because if someone is choosing to follow you, it's the equivalent of choosing to walk into your store or walk into your restaurant. And I've never walked into a store and been like, oh, great. They have like boxers over here and they sell spaghetti over here and they do my taxes in the back. Like that has that I'm not going to do business with that store. I'm not going to return to that store. I'm going to get really confused and leave. But if I walk into that store and all they do is let's say they do taxes, whatever, something really not fun. They're, they're doing my taxes. <laughs> but once I'm in there and I've already decided I'm a patron, AKA I've already decided I'm a follower. Now I want to get to know them a little bit, a little bit better. I want to find out they're a family business. I want to find out how long they've been in practice. I want to find out their specialty and what their different interests are because that's how we build relationships and trust. So to sum this all up, boil it all down, your feed posts should be niche related. Your stories are for everything else. Any other pictures, videos, topics, content that is just about your life, documentary style, that's all for your Instagram stories. Okay. So on stories too, I saw another post by you too. You got great posts, and I, I don't remember the percentages, right? I just remember the story. I don't remember the numbers. I remember the story. But yeah. basically, it was not that many pe- people post five or more stories a day. It was like twenty or thirty percent or something, right? You know, yeah. You had this many people do none. This one do one to two, but most the fewest amount post five or more, right? So yeah. is that the number we should be aiming for? Is five or more stories a day? Yeah, so I this is a recent change where in what I teach when it comes to stories is I used to say more is more. And the thought there was that the algorithm was more heavily influenced by how many uploads you had. And every time you would post a new story, it moved back to the front of the queue, you'd get more views. But now the average Instagram user has evolved, the algorithm has likely evolved as well, uh, so that if you have 25 stories in a day and people open it, and they see all those little, they, they used to be dashes at the top and now they're just little tiny dots. <laughs> They'll skip the whole thing. They'll be like, unless you're just like yeah. that captivating, unless you have that much of like a, you know, this is a flipping awesome day. This is nuts. You know, we're, 
whatever. There's a, you know, you're adopting the golden retriever that day and everyone wants to see all the pictures. Unless it's like that day, people probably don't want to see that many stories. And I shouldn't even say probably. I know they don't. I've pulled my audience and they tell me that. You can pull your audience. Anyone listening can pull their audience and ask them, how many stories is too many stories? And so uh, what I've really been saying now for stories is that less is more. And in fact, taking entire days off of stories, taking two, three days off of stories can be a great way to then intentionally boost your views when you do come back, which if you have something coming up like launch of a new product, a sale, a new podcast dropping, things like that, you can be really strategic about that. Take a few Mm. days off and then on the day of the launch, on the day of the sale, whatever the day that you, hey, I really want to make sure people see my content on this day. So it works like clockwork. Every single time you take a few days off and then you have like an intentional promotion, sale, whatever it is that you really want to make sure people see, you come back with that story and you make sure it's a highly engaging story, your views will significantly increase on that day. Now, something that I've run into, and you've talked about this, right? Okay, I got a new podcast episode coming out. You watching this, you got a new piece of merch that just came out, right? Or your store's having a sale, whatever. It is impossible to get somebody off the platform they're on. TikTok, forget it. There's zero yeah. chance, right? They're going to go to your bio and click a link, right? Stories, you have a better chance, right? Because the link's right there. So it's, it seems like it's easier to, I don't know what studies say, but you said too that you're not going to get them off the platform. I saw you tweet something like that, right? So, okay. I want people to get off the platform and go listen to my podcast because it's great. Everyone should listen to my Brock podcast because there's so much great stuff in it, right? But the reality yeah. is they're not going to get off Instagram. So what the fuck do I do? What is the point of all this, right? If we really just yeah. want somebody to go to our store, we want somebody to read our book, we want somebody to buy our shirt, what are we doing all this for? Great question. And I think there's a, f- a few things I would say. First and foremost, every one of us has to accept that if our primary driving purpose is to drive people off of the platform, it's going to be really hard to have success on the platform. And so this is the biggest conversation that I have with podcasters is they you know, they take these little clips of their podcast and there are some who do it way better than others. There are some who make it, it still looks like a reel. It looks like we're having a conversation. And then there's people who just kind of have like a wave file, like the audio file and like two photos of us. Those definitely don't do well, but either way, essentially it's an advertisement for a podcast. You're essentially saying, stop getting your dopamine from Instagram or TikTok or Twitter or threads or wherever, and go do this for me. And we understand like it's going to be valuable. The podcast is packed full of juicy knowledge. My mom and I co-host a top 10 marketing podcast. We do two episodes a week and less than a quarter of my followers even know it exists because I rarely (laughs) talk about it. I rarely promote it because I know I'm going to be wasting my breath. I know I'm going to be create, that's going to be content that's going to ultimately be hurting my account. So I would rather direct them to it in, in other ways. Let's talk about those other ways. The link in bio on average has about a 1% click rate, super low. The link sticker on Instagram stories on average has about a 2% click through rate, also super low. And again, it goes back to not that Instagram's trying to punish people for using those things, but just human nature, right? We don't wanna leave where we are. We wanna be comfy, cozy on Instagram, TikTok, Twitter, consuming the content. One thing that I have found that a few years from now, we'll all be looking back and we'll all be like, man, I wish I used this at the time, but so few people are using it right now, even though it's been around for a couple years, is DM automation. 
And that is where, and you've likely seen this, if anyone follows me, you've seen me do this. This is where I say, comment this keyword or send me a direct message with this keyword or reply with this keyword. And when they do, it triggers an automatic response in the direct messages to promote the podcast, the YouTube video, the link, the sale, whatever it may be. Let's think about what does that do? That is now asking them not to go click on a link, hope they figure it out, hope they find a link in my link tree, hope they can you know, maybe click the link in my stories. Instead, we're starting from a place of engagement. We're not starting from a place of leave Instagram. We're starting from a place of engagement. So now I already have a comment or a DM or a reply, whatever it is that I asked for. Then my automation has sent them the link, which in and of itself might not be that powerful, but from what we've seen, the average uh, link click rate in the DMs is 46%. So earlier wow. I told you 1% link in bio, 2% link on stories, 46% when you DM someone the link. Well, what's the open rate of a DM? On average, 98% open rate of Instagram direct messages. Now the math is starting to math a little bit. And let's think about this. I now know who clicked. I can set it up so that either I can manually see, hey, this person didn't click. I'm going to start a conversation with them to figure out why. Or maybe you're someone like myself who gets a couple DM, hundred DMs every day. I can automatically set it up so that if you don't click on this link within the first 15 minutes, you get a follow-up message about next steps, about asking questions, about, hey, hey, I saw you didn't have a chance to click on that link. I didn't want to let you know that the sale's only active for six more hours. Make sure to use this code before the sale expires. So are you saying basically, so we have a sale at our store. Are we mm -hmm. DMing our followers basically? Or is that we are asking them to DM us. So that is one distinction is DM automation. You cannot DM okay. people on your own. You can't just send a mass message. There okay. is a way to do it, um, but it's a little bit advanced. The primary way is through posting your content, posting your story or your feed post, but in the call to action, rather than saying, click this link and pointing at the link sticker or, you know, link in bio. Instead, yeah. the call to action is comment the word link or comment the word swag, comment the word podcast, and I'll send you that link. And that is how this, basically this whole process starts. And will people do that? Overwhelmingly, yes. We've seen significantly more, and this is, this, this is the one that blows my mind because everything else makes sense. It makes sense that DMs have a high open rate. It makes sense that you're way more likely to click on a link in the DMs than in the, in the stories or in the bio. But this is the one that, you know, I'm not smart enough to understand why. If I am, and I do this sometimes, I give people both options. I'll put the link sticker and I'll say tap here or reply with the word whatever. Like I, on, on average, my average is three to four times more people are sending the keyword. Four, three to four more times more people are in choosing to interact what? in that way. For me, I'm, I want to be efficient in everything I do, right? For me, yeah. I go sending the DM to wait for the automatic reply with the link. That's way more work than just clicking the link that's right in front of me. But Agreed. you said the numbers show it's that's not the case. They they is it is it that they want to interact with you on a personal level? Is that it is might it, it might be it might be that it might be yeah. So. It, it might be the personal thing. Like I said, I'm not smart enough to figure it out. It might be that people, they're hesitant to click on a link. It might be that they want to do
do something on Instagram, right? They know instinctually, if I click on the link, I leave Instagram, but if I send a chat, I stay on Instagram. Um, and like I did say, it, it, you know, it is automated, so it is instant. Um, I'm with you that it would be even more instant if I literally just click on the link, but with this yeah. DM automation, it is literally instant, or you can set it up to be on a little de time delay if you want. That's a little more advanced, but it's instant. Um, so yeah, I'm not sure why, but people do. Wow, that's good stuff. But finally, let's talk algorithm. You know, mm -hmm. every platform has their own algorithm. There's, you know, it's funny, like on YouTube, I watch YouTube in the mornings. Uh, you know, you, you got your recommended page, which is always changing. But it's like, mm -hmm. like the ones that always pop is like, you know, July 2023 algorithm explained. You know, August 2023 new Instagram algorithm broken down. You know, it's like, yeah, is it always changing? Like, explain the algorithm to us and and how how to work it. Yeah, this this always makes me laugh. It rarely changes. It rarely changes. It has minor tweaks here and there. And like, obviously, when Reels comes out, there has to be a change to incorporate that new variable. Um, but when people say it changes on a daily basis or it changes on a monthly, weekly basis, that's not true. What is actually happening is that user preferences and behavior habits are always changing. And I think that we spend way too much time focusing on the algorithms rather than the audience, when ultimately it is the audience's uh, that, that dictates the algorithm. The algorithm's job is to serve the audience. If it didn't, if it did a poor job of that, these platforms wouldn't last. One of the reasons that Instagram has had some, some turmoil and some challenges over the past few years is people are frustrated by its algorithm not performing as well as the TikTok algorithm. And that's quite simply saying like, it is the audience that drives the algorithm. So I think we need to focus much more on them and take into account every little thing about our audience. What time of year is it? It always makes me laugh. Um, I have a large portion of my audience is moms. And every single year when summer rolls around, their engagement goes down and they get confused as to why. Did the algorithm change what's going on? You're moms and you're followed by a bunch of moms and it's summer, which means that the kids aren't at school, which means that like things have changed. Their consumption habits have changed. Um, and so, no, the algorithm does not change all that often. It's pretty consistent. Um, and a great way to, to ignore it or to win the algorithm or defeat the algorithm is to instead focus on your followers and how can you create content that they actually want to see rather than just content that you want them to see. That's good. Well, and finally, let's wrap up with this. So you kind of said in a couple different ways, but leave us with this. When mm -hmm. we're posting, whether it's a story or a reel or a carousel or a post, mm -hmm. would you always be in the back of our mind? You know, before you said, you know, is it self-serving that post? Hey, look at how cool I am. Or is it like, really serving the person but then on stories you said well it's a little different you can kind of let your freak flag fly it's hard to say yeah but is there is there something we should always or should we always be thinking of the person on the other other end of that phone like leave us with what we should be thinking about before we hit post absolutely you should always be thinking about the person on the other end of the phone i will say on stories like i've said you know you can get a little bit more lenient you can get a little bit more diverse those people have already chosen to follow you, so now they just want to get to know you more. Um, but still, you know, think about: Does this matter to post? Does you know, would someone actually want to see this type of thing? With your feed posts, there's a distinction on whether you're in a season of: I already have some followers, I just want some engagement, 
I want some community, I want some sales, or you're in a season of, hey, I'm new, I have 300 followers, I need to grow, I need to be able to reach people. Those are two different seasons. If you're in the season of growth, then your question with every feed post should be, would this matter to a stranger? Would someone who does not already know me, who has never seen any of my posts before, who has no context for things I've posted in the past, or who I am or who my background is, does this matter to them? Is this going to impact them? Is this going to educate, inspire, or captivate them? That's going to lead to growth. Because then, when it inevitably does reach those people, they're going to be impacted, and they're going to be that much more likely to follow. If you're in a season of building community, of building sales and engagement, then it's almost the opposite. It's less so does this matter to a stranger, and how can this cultivate community? How can this generate conversation? How can this, you know, when I'm thinking about the other, the person on the other end, they're not a stranger. There may be an acquaintance or, or, or a, you know, a loose friend. And I'm trying to get them to be a close friend or a best friend. And so what kind of content would I share there? But I think, you know, in the question, you, you hit the nail on the head, which is no matter what, you're always thinking about who's on the other end and how are they going to receive this? It's good stuff, man. So where can we find you? You know, are there, yeah, are there uh, courses? How do we get you to coach us? How do we, yeah, absolutely. How do we get the, you a part of our best lives? Space. The best space is definitely myspace.com forward slash Brock 11. <laughs> no, um, Instagram, Instagram is the best place to get connected with me. I am on every platform or I try to be, um, my handle is Brock 11 Johnson. So the one, one 11 is in the middle. Brock 11 Johnson. That's the best place to get connected with me. We have coaching, we have courses, we have memberships, but I'm going to encourage anyone listening to consume some content for free. Follow me. And then when you're ready to actually start growing and actually start seeing results because you want things in the order that they're supposed to be consumed in, shoot me a DM and we'll chat there. Sounds good, brother. Well, thank you so much for watching. Uh, guys, we're going to play, if you're listening on the podcast, we're going to play a fun game now. If you're watching on YouTube, either wait till Thursday till we post the game or just skip the next video if this is in the future and you'll see it. But we're starting to play a game, level up in 10, where we're asking our guests 10 questions that will help us improve our lives. They got 30, 30 seconds to answer the question. So we're going to play that in a second. But if you're watching on YouTube, click on the next video to watch it. Thank you so much. And make sure you subscribe. New interviews every Tuesday, new games every Thursday. Thanks, guys. All right, guys. Welcome to Level Up in 10, where we ask our guests 10 questions that are going to help us level up our lives. Today, we got Brock Johnson, Instagram expert. Brock, are you ready to go? I am ready to go. What's the worst piece of business advice you've ever gotten? Keep running my TikTok despite having 300,000 followers who had no interest in my actual business. What are most people doing wrong on Instagram? Uh, they're giving up way too soon. Why is it so hard to grow on Instagram now? Because there's so much competition and there's so many changes that people have to keep up with. What's the one thing that you regret most and what did it teach you? In business, I would say blowing up on TikTok in 2019 and not leveraging it enough thoughtfully for business, rather instead just using it for goofy, funny, silly dancing videos. What advice do you have for young creators who want to be a full-time creator? Rip the Band-Aid off. Force yourself to create more and more and more content. One daily upload is not enough. Doing what you're comfortable with is not enough. Force yourself out of your comfort zone to post more and to, to develop your skills as a content creator. What is the best financial decision you've ever made? Starting investing at 
18, 19 years old as soon as I went off to college. And to follow up on that, what advice would you give your 18 year old self? Just get started. Don't care as much what other people are thinking or what other friends in air quotes might say. Focus on the people who are in your corner or who are in the arena actually cheering you on and fighting alongside you. What are some habits that have helped you become successful? Turning content creation into a habit and all the different pieces of it. And also I think that the, probably the biggest area that's led to success is delegation, outsourcing, handing things off, hiring help and asking for help. What is one thing that people can do today to get more followers on Instagram? Start posting more. And what is the best way for small creators to get brand deal? Reach out to the brands with a specific value add. Too many people are waiting for the brand to reach out to them when instead they should be reaching out to the brand and telling the brand exactly why they should work with this small creator. Thank you so much, brother. Thank you guys so much for watching and make sure you subscribe. New videos every Thursday. Thanks guys.